this morning, um, we've been traveling over the last few weeks over this kind of theme of through the noise. Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus into challenging places? Uh, this week, I really wanted to talk about what does it mean for us to follow Jesus or how does Jesus look in our friendships and in our relationships? Um, I don't know about you, but I've had relationships sometimes where I feel like there's some noise going on. Uh, there's some static sitting in the background. Uh, maybe it's a friend. Uh, you call yourselves friends, but you, you're called frenemies. Have you ever heard of frenemies before? They're friends, but enemies. Um, I, we have someone in our family, uh, some of the people are laughing because they're like, oh, I know exactly who, you're <laughs> who that is in my life. We have someone in our family who always talks about one of their friends they go for walks with, but the, the chats there, like the stories I tell are always complaining about them, and it's like, you guys aren't friends, you're frenemies, you don't really like each other, you're always arguing, you're bickering, it's the best, okay, it's my favourite. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about friendship um, this morning, which I don't know if I've heard a sermon on friendship. So this is my first shot. I don't know if you've heard a sermon on friendship, but we, we'll see what happens in the midst as we kind of go through this morning. And where we're going to start is we're going to start in John chapter 15, verses 15 um, to 17. Now, this is one of those really interesting Bible verses to me, and actually, I find it really peculiar, and you're going to see why. So it says this, it says, I no longer call you servants. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Because a servant does not know what his master's, of his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. There's something really quite peculiar going on in this moment where the disciples are transitioning from, from uh, servants, from employees, from this to friends. I don't know if we've actually looked at it. It's, it's one of, remember like uh, in youth, well, when you were in youth all those years ago, some longer than others, but we won't point around in the room. When someone said to you, are you a friend of Jesus? And it was kind of like this, huh? What are you talking about? Are you a friend of Jesus? I know I've thrown this line away. Like, oh man, just spending time with my friend God. Like, what? That sounds weird. It doesn't make sense. Like, let's be real. Are you a friend of Jesus? There's something going on in the call of discipleship that's actually not about servanthood only. It's also about friendship. And I think this thing I find very peculiar, that Jesus doesn't want us to be servants, he wants us to be friends. Are you getting the peculiarities here? Um, now, what does servanthood look like, or servants? Now, uh, servants are not slaves, I just want to make that really clear. Servants have a choice. Um, I, I realise that all of us kind of understand what this relationship of servant looks like, simply because... Uh, all of us are employed somewhere, usually. We actually kind of get what it means to have a relationship of servanthood or employment. Look at this. You're like, great, can't wait to get to church. I'm going to talk about my job even more. <laughs> employment. I, I've kind of thought I'd just put up like a few kind of factors of what employment looks like, what the relationship of employment is. Because if you didn't know, it's maybe one of the main relationships going on in your life. So what does an employment relationship look like? It looks like this. First, there's an exchange. I work, you remunerate. Yeah? 
We're very quiet. Is no one here employed? Does no one here know? <laughs> You're like, you get paid for the things you do during the week? Yeah, we do. It's great. I work, you pay me. There's KPIs. I had one of those jobs where it was I had to make so many phone calls per hour. Oh, worst job of my life. I hated it. But there's KPIs. There's things you have to, you agree upon. There's expectations of achievement. And there's walls and boundaries, isn't there? Um, hey, boss, it's 5.01. See you later. <laughs> Carla always gets a phone call at like 4.59 from her boss in the marketing department. And she's always like, he does this every time. <laughs> 4.59, come on, give me a break. It's 5 o'clock's coming. There's these really kind of strict boundaries with employment, isn't there? But Jesus isn't calling us to be employees. This is not what he wants. He wants us and our relationship to move from employees to friends. And what does the friend look like? And I've tried to kind of give it the same thing. Is There's not an exchange. It's actually about gift. And what do I mean by that? It's about giving with no expectation of receiving. It's just plain old gift. It's not about KPIs. It's about enjoyment. You are celebrated for who you are, not what you do. And it's about borders. Yes, there are maybe sometimes, uh, this is my personal life, but we're actually constantly inviting people in. That's what friendship's about. It's like, come over. The house is a mess, but come over anyway. It's about this kind of breaking down, this entry, this, this journeying across borders. Friendship and employment are two very, very, very different things. Now, most of what Jesus does while he's on, he, he's here on earth are friendship things. Now, I want you to think about some of the things going on. If the disciples were employees, can I say, they would have been fired. <laughs> think about, think about Jesus in his like moment of most need of his employees to shoulder the load, abandon him. Does he come back and go, sorry guys, you didn't pass the test, you didn't meet your KPIs, you're fired. Get out of here, I don't want to see you again, I'm going to go find some better ones. No, because you don't do that with friends. Instead, Jesus went and forgave his disciples. He cooked them food on the beach. That's the best friend I've ever met in my life, right? So there's a lot of, I think sometimes, we can get so concerned and there's a lot of moments of Jesus being a friend to the disciples. Um, like if we take for, for the factor of like walls and boundaries, he's in the business of flipping tables and temples and ripping curtains and saying, you think it's just about there, but it's actually, you're invited into the private space of God. He tells us to hallow God's name, but he also says to call God Father. There is constantly these acts of friendship and relationship that are going on through the life of Jesus that we need to see and we need to be aware of because if we start to think about them as employees, we have the risk, I think, of seeing ourselves as employees of Jesus. And this is horrible because if you and I see ourselves as employees of Jesus, our lives become to be a part of, about the very wrong things. So what does Christ look like as our employer? Maybe, I don't know about you, but I actually felt really challenged of my own kind of perceptions of how I saw my relationship with Christ. Do I see him as my employer or do I see him as my friend? And I hope this isn't too abstract for everyone, but it's going to get right down into the nitty gritty here. Um, 
do I see Christ uh, praying to Jesus as the great exchange? Oh, I'm praying and sacrificing my time. Now, now Jesus is going to bless me. Is that friendship or is that employment? Oh, I, I, I suck at this one so bad and I'm confessing it in front of all of you. I've got to get my numbers up. If I just read another book this week about God, if I just read a little bit more Bible, if I just pray a little bit more, maybe if I just spend that extra half an hour, if I get my numbers up, I'm going to be a better Christian. Is it about that? Is that employment? Or is that friendship? It's also about, oh, hey, sorry, Jesus. Um, Sundays, it's fine. I will think about you and make my life orientate around you on a Sunday. Monday begins? Don't call me after business hours, thank you. <laughs> I've got an order reply set in my inbox. You're, get, you're getting nothing. You're getting nothing. Chris is out of office. I think we can oftentimes, if we're not careful, allow the main relationship of our lives, which funnily enough and sadly sometimes is employment, we spend more time with our work buddies than we probably do with our own families, if we're really honest. And that's just a modern societal condition. Um, this is why, by the way, The Office, Parks and Rec, these shows are like so successful is because they're kind of celebrating what everyone is doing all the time. And they're picking these things apart. Everybody can relate to working in the office. <laughs> that's why that show is so good. <laughs> And it's a good show. <laughs> Am I right? Okay, sorry. This is not the gospel of Michael Scott or something like that. That'd be a bad gospel. Um, so, we can, when we sort of see Christ as our employer, when we see him as our boss, that we're clocking in and out, I think we can start to find that it actually affects not just our relationship with Jesus, but also our relationships with one another. And I'm convinced, and what I hope to do over the rest of the time this morning, is talk to us about how an incorrect view of our relationship with Jesus Christ affects our relationships with one another. Um, so what does Christ our friend look like? I should do that before I move on here. So what does Jesus Christ our friend look like? He looks like a gift. Um, if you didn't know, uh, if you want to get into the game of who gave more and do I get to respond... Jesus wins every time, right? Like, we are in the game of responding to what, to, to what Jesus has already done. And I think that's actually a better way for us to frame our mind about it. I, there's like 50 Bible verses I could put up for here. I, I sort of chose to not put them all up and just explain to you what I, what I think we should see here. Is if Jesus has given us everything, that breath itself, all we can do is respond. Your prayers are not getting God to do something. Your prayers are you aligning with what God is already doing, right? Enjoyment. It's not like, oh, I've got to get my numbers up. It's more of a, I just can't wait to spend time and enjoy time with Christ. This means, and this is beautiful, if you have a really crazy week and life's hectic, and at the end of the week you go, oh my gosh, I didn't even pray this week, Jesus isn't like, oh, you didn't meet your quota, mate, you're out. He's going, oh, I get it. Come and give me whatever you've got. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry I'm so tired this week. He's like, oh, it's fine, man. The house is messy too, but I don't care. Come on in. 
some people have messy houses here by the sounds of it, <laughs> by the sounds of that cheeky laugh. And when Jesus is our friend, he's invited into every space. He's invited into our relationships. He's invited into those dark corners in the back of our house that we don't want anyone to see, right? He's invited into all of those parts of our life. Jesus is invited into everything when Jesus is our friend, not our employer. Our relationship with Christ, and if it's an employer or if it's a friend, changes all other relationships that we have. Is this making sense this morning? Are we okay? Yeah, it's just, it's quiet in the room, but it's all good. I'll, I won't judge my own ability on that. So, I think when we see, uh, yeah, so now why is this important? Why is friendship with Christ important? Well, if you didn't know, and I'm sure you've heard this from reading a newspaper article or watching a YouTube video or reading a book, there is an epidemic, some people would say, of we are connected in this world now more than ever, but the next generations coming up are lonelier than ever. This doesn't make sense, we, it would seem. And I think what's actually happened is we have gotten so used to connecting, but we've forgotten how to be friends. We've forgotten how to be friends. Now, this is something that's not just taking place out in the world. This is something that falls right down deep heart where we are right now. I know that there are people, um, I'll, I'll say that in a minute, we'll come to there. But we, we, we have this kind of struggle of feeling oftentimes utterly alone. This is the modern human condition. I feel connected. Uh, there's lots of people I talk to, but I don't feel understood. I feel alone. There was a um, social scientist. So, oh, how I want to break this down is I want to talk about our relationships inside the church and outside the church and how a proper understanding of Christ will help us understand how they can look better. So, inside the church, there was a um, social scientist in the 50s named David Reisman who said this, uh, that there is such a thing as a lonely crowd. So, this was a social phenomena that he studied, that there are groups of people who go and do the same thing every week, and he wasn't even talking about the church here, but who go and do the same thing every week, believe the same things, spend and participate in time together, but do not have relationship with one another. He wasn't even talking about the church, but I think we as a church must first look at ourselves and go, oh, is that possible? Could Cornerstone become a community where we could be here as a crowd, but not actually have friendship with one another? That's pretty intense, isn't it? There could be, and there very well may be in this community right now, people who are like, we come every week, but I don't feel like we're connecting or having friendship with one another. And a lot of this comes from, one author suggests, this lack and inability of Christians in the modern times to have vulnerability. To have vulnerability. We're so scared of being judged and whatnot that we are too afraid to share and bring depth into our relationships, which is where friendship begins. I would suggest that things like vulnerability specifically, are we're too afraid that my KPIs are not going to look good. <laughs> when you and I choose to be vulnerable, this is why conf confession is so subversive. 
When you and I confess our sins to God, we're telling him, God, I didn't meet my quota again this week, I failed. And God responds with absolute love and trust anyways. That's where friendship starts. I wonder if we could get better inside the church at looking at those people, those individuals, those amongst us, us ourselves, who are lonely, a part of the crowd, and also us where we can be more vulnerable, to open ourselves up to friendship more than ever before. So what about outside of the community? There's a, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm so embarrassed, I'm about to quote something off Instagram, but there's an Instagram account I follow, which is a, he's just a young guy who walks around London interviewing people, random on the street and asking them questions, and he's a Christian guy. One of the questions he asks is, what do you think, and this is to non-Christians, what do you think of your Christian friends? Here's the two of the, there's four or five responses, here's two that I think would be good for us to talk about. Um, The first one, they're too busy. What? (laughs) I felt that hurt me a lot. (laughs) I switched off the video really quick. Dislike, there's no dislike button, but I invented one. I put a big cross in the comments. Um, When I lived lived down south, um, and I don't want you to draw conclusions here because everyone will go somewhere, but you're wrong. Um, But when I was living down south, I was a part of a big city and I had a lot of friends that I sort of started to meet in that city and there was this one really, really big church down the road and I remember driving past that church in my car and my best, one of my best mates while I was down there said to me, he's like, oh, I had this best mate Steve, we'd hang out all the time. Every, it just felt like we were brothers. I'm from overseas and I felt no, lo, so lonely here. I had no community and he just provided with me all that community. And then he went and got on staff at that place and he joined that place and I haven't seen him since. And I just remember hearing that going, oh my gosh. That non-Christians would have the perspective of us as Christians that we're not good friends That hurts a bit, doesn't it? I even found myself that when I became a pastor or got on staff at a church, I thought it was my job to get as many people inside of these four walls as possible. And I kind of lived my life obsessing over getting people here, inside. Uh, This is not here, this is up north. And I realized one day, it felt like I got punched in the face I was like, I'm trying so hard to get people in here, but maybe if I just went out there, I could go see them. And what I ended up doing is I actually got a job on a Saturday at a cafe just to hang out with normal people. (laughs) And it was the best thing for me, for my soul, because I began to realize that my job as a Christian, my KPIs aren't determined, but God's happiness with me is not determined by me getting as many people inside of the four walls, but me sharing in my friendship with God outside with others. The next one. My Christian friends are always trying to convert me. They're never trying to just listen. That hit me like a ton of bricks. 
how dare they say that? (laughs) I don't know about you, but have you ever felt that pressure though? I know I've had conversations with people where they've asked, they've had like a death in the family, they've no faith or Christianity at all. They've had this kind of really massive moment and they've asked me, could you just pray for me? And I pray for them. And then I walk away and the whole time I'm just like, I should have sealed the deal. I, st- I missed my opportunity. It's over now. I, I should have sealed the deal. I should have, I should have got him there. I think that was me mistaking my <laughs> relationship with Christ as an employment, looking to meet my KPIs. Now, I'm not saying that evangelism, all those things, is dead. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying we have to be careful that sometimes we can see it as just trying to get a number rather than a person who has value inside of themselves. Friendship. (laughs) It subverts that. Be a part of it for the journey. I was trying to get my spiritual KPIs on point and I was not caring about the person there and seeking friendship and relationship. Let's go the distance (laughs) with people. So, we've got some problems inside and we've got some problems outside. Our misconceptions of our relationship with Jesus being employer or friend changes the way we live our lives. So what does that look like for you and I? Is there any hope? And if I can get the band up, is there any hope? Is there any ability or any way that we can kind of surmount this ever-widening gap How do we get better at being friends? I think from the scriptures, the answer that we have to this kind of problem of the modern issue of loneliness is hospitality. It's hospitality. I know what you're thinking. Cooking for people? Hospitality is so much more than cooking for people. True friendship looks like hospitality in spades. What do I mean by this? When you invite someone over to your home, when you go and hang out with someone, you are giving them a gift. And you, ex- you don't even expect them to invite you over back for a meal. Just like Jesus says, don't invite those over who can pay you back. Invite anyone. True hospitality looks like a free gift, a free invitation of come and eat with me and you may never see me again and that's fine. (laughs) It's a gift. True hospitality is all about enjoyment. It's, It's not about, oh, did you meet your KPIs this week? It's about just come and sit and celebrate the presence of one another. God is doing something in our midst even though the food may not be that great, even though, and sometimes it's not, (laughs) even though the house isn't that clean, we go over Josh and Sharon's house and he's got four kids, Josh and Sharon, they've got four kids. Every time I go over, he's always like, oh, sorry about that. I'm like, man, that's why I'm here. I'm here for all of this. (laughs) 
do you know what I mean? I don't want you to have to like hide everything away because I'm coming. What sort of horrible person am I? It's like, come along. It's me- come on in. Feel that love. It's von- it, there, it, there's a vulnerability to that, isn't there? It's crossing borders. It's like, we're not, we don't, our relationship is not just on a Sunday or it's not just at work. It's not just when I see you in the park. You're coming in to my life. Come on in, man. You've got a visa's approved. Come on in. <laughs> Hospitality is the gift extended by Christ to us. And it is therefore the gift that we should extend to others. Hospitality now, today, tomorrow, this week, shows us a glimpse of hospitality in God's reign and final kingdom that is coming. It is a foretaste of that feast with every tribe and tongue. Hospitality is a foretaste of communion and relationship with God and one another. How does it finish? And God will dwell amongst his people. Hospitality is dwelling together. It's friendship. So this morning, did you want to stand with me? We're going we're gonna to sing. But I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? Is he employer or is he friend? Are you trying to meet KPIs? Do you have those walls up? Are you thinking about the remuneration you're going to get? Or are you relishing and enjoying his presence? Are you participating in the hospitality of God here with us? And if you're participating in that hospitality, you take that, you soak it up, but you go and share it with everybody you meet. Be a friend. Let us transition from servants to friends with Christ and from work colleagues, people I see down the street, to friends in life. Let us sing together. Let us celebrate that communion.